Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. <laughs> it took you a second to answer this. <laughs> Just as you said that, I got a text about a bridesmaid's dress. I was like, oh, too many things going on. <laughs> okay. Sorry. You can do that again. <laughs> I might just leave that in. Okay. (laughs) Last week we talked about episodes 17 and 18, and today we're going to be talking about episodes 19 and 20, One False Step, and Show and Tell. One False Step premiered on February 19th, 1999, was written by Michael Kaplan and John Sanborn and directed by Bill Kokorin. Show and Tell premiered on February 26th, 1999, was written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by Peter DeLuise. So we've got two Adventures of the Week this time. Arzu, would you please summarize these two episodes? If there was a thesis for these two episodes, it would be everybody has a headache. Anyway, first yeah. episode, because there were headaches in both episodes, which I thought was yep. funny. So, one false step. The team goes to some field in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and there is a society of people who do not speak, and have some very funky-looking plants, and they are mostly naked, except for this, like, second-skin fiber-type thing. And all of a sudden, they all start getting very sick. And they don't know why. And then SG-1 starts to get sick. And they don't know why. So this becomes investigating what's wrong with them and what's wrong with this planet, what's making everyone sick. Show and Tell is a little kid comes into SG-1. So the episode is set at SG-1, which is pretty cool. He's a human child with a mother that looks like a bug. (laughs) (laughs) And who is also invisible. But when you can see her, she looks like a bug. Yeah. A and really big bug. Really big gross bug. And it kind of becomes about solving that particular problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do I explain this? <laughs> okay, so let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, well, they're not naked. They're covered with something. And your guess was that Daniel is speaking about the locals who Jack thinks are naked, but Daniel points out that they do have some type of covering. And you're right! Yay! (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Was he talking to Jack? He was talking to Jack. I think so. He was talking to everybody. Yeah, everybody. But Jack was there. Why am I, like, discounting my own points? I don't know. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, they were... These people, like, literally had bodysuits on, but yeah, it's supposed to just be they have some kind of, like, paint. And the paint, like, hardens into a shell. Yeah. Well, I don't know like if not they a call shell. it a shell. Like, like, a second skin. Yeah. Like a membrane kind of thing. Which is fair, but I don't think we investigated this to its logical potential. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there wasn't really any way to look into this further without making it even more obvious that the actors are wearing bodysuits, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> cause I mean, you could yeah. see like the zippers down their backs, you know? So yeah. When the first, when the first little guy like ran away from them, cause he was all startled. I'm like, I can uh-huh. see, I can see your buttons. Yep. yep. <laughs> Just running down your back. Yeah. Okay. So first off the, so they send the UAV through the Stargate and it crashes into this plant, and so they have to go collect the UAV, and they have to walk 10 miles. And so this village where the UAV is, that they're walking back and forth to and from the entire episode is 10 miles, which at their leisurely place would take two hours. They make so many trips back and forth to this village, and I'm like... No wonder y'all have headaches and so, like yo, you're probably <laughs> dehydrated. dehydrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so, even discounting the sonar or whatever, you know, like <laughs> I so initially when they crashed the the UAV into the plant mm-hmm. and Sam says like, like that like something there that would confirm life forms, like when one of them kind of steps in front of the camera uh-huh. for a second, like that confirms life forms. My notes were like, did the statue not confirm life forms? Because I thought the plant was a statue. Oh, no. And kept with with this assumption the whole time. So they kept going, the plant life, the plant life. I'm like, I literally don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 
because I'm like, I thought I was missing something. I'm like, what plant life? This looks like a statue. And I kept waiting for that to be relevant. And I was waiting for it to like glow. And maybe that was causing the headache. And like, I don't know. You're really overthinking it. I was really overthinking the episode. I was like, wait, which like to your point, because you said in the notes, like this is like slower paced than the episodes usually are. Mm-hmm. So I was like waiting for this to like be a bit more. Yep like ramped up and intense and i'm like wh- yeah. when does the statue come to life there was no statue it was <laughs> yeah. so yeah in general this episode is really slow paced and i i kind of find it boring to be honest because of that but there are still things that i liked about it which we can get into but yeah i guess just like right off the bat i'm like how are they walking this 10 miles so easy? and like when they bring dr frazier to look at the sick people i'm like in her so hazmat suit. Yeah, carrying all of her gear, walking in a hazmat suit for two hours <laughs> each way. Like, why did, do they not have, like, RVs or ATVs or whatever where they could I was drive? Gonna say, they should learn from Stargate Infinity and just That's barrel through there say. at 60 miles an hour in a truck. Yeah, exactly. Like, get some of those RVs that the Infinity has. <laughs> it's not in the budget yet. That's, like, a, that's 20 years away. I guess. I just don't understand why they couldn't have, like, gotten some kind of RVs on loan from somebody. Because, like, 10 miles is far to be going back and forth. And so, like, it, the the pacing makes it seem like everything happens in one day. But there's just no way. The number of times they go back and forth, this has got to be happening over multiple days. Probably. But, like, you never see, like, the sunrise or sunset. It's always, like, the brightness of midday. Because it's all happening at midday across, like, five days. Right. <laughs> so it's just, like, it's a weird... I wish that at some scenes that they had shown the sunset so that you could see the span of time a little bit easier because then it just doesn't really make sense, like, how long it's taking them to do everything. Yeah. I also was remarking that it looks like all of these uh, locals are men, or at least... Mm-hmm perceived to be men this is something i find sci-fi does a lot when they want to portray like a humanoid gender neutral alien race Mm -hmm. everybody will simply be male or female right like star trek did this once with like a gender neutral race that doesn't feel love or Mm -hmm. it was something like that like they they don't they don't love, they don't feel like sexual attraction. It was something like that. But because Riker had to kiss one of them, all of the, all of the actresses were female. Oh, that's weird. Even though they were meant to be gender neutral. Sci-fi just does that. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really have any bearing on the episode necessarily. It just like makes me wonder how they reproduce. Especially because you can't like see any genitalia. I mean, not that I want to, but no, you know. not on, <laughs> not on this show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess like maybe they, you know, the the actors are all male, male presenting, but that's not the truth of of this right alien species. Yeah, maybe they're like somehow like asexual and can reproduce in alternative ways than most humans would. Because they do apparently have their heart, which is larger than normal, is like in their pelvis. So who knows? Everything has moved around. <laughs> yeah. So with SG-1 being on this planet and there's that sound that's kind of like really quiet so they can't hear it or on a wavelength that like their brain can perceive it enough to like get a headache from it, but they can't actually hear it. And so, like, uh, Daniel and Jack are, like, really going at it because they both have raging headaches. And I felt like Teal'c was, like, a dad. Like, <laughs> guys, stop arguing. Like, what Teal'c are you doing? so funny in this episode. <laughs> like, when Daniel comes out of, the, out of the Stargate and he's, like, having deja vu and he has to explain what that is to Teal'c. Yeah. The, the eyebrow raise that Teal'c gives him. <laughs> yeah was just so like it was like the face he makes all the time but <laughs> he like still doesn't understand their humor a lot of the time it's like yeah. daniel's making a joke and Teal just takes it literally 
But yeah, I mean, like when Daniel and Jack were arguing and Jack told Teal'c to go back to the Stargate and Teal'c was like, should I? Because <laughs> y'all are acting dumb. <laughs> the the fight between Jack and Daniel when they're like yelling at each other, my note was, okay, now I see why people ship them. Right. I'm like, okay. I get it now. Yeah. But it feels like I know they were suffering the like effects of the planet, but mm-hmm. I feel like this is the most interaction they've had. Like significant yeah. interaction. At least extended interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's normally just like one off quips back and forth kind of thing. Yeah, like as, as part of like a group thing, but like the right. most significant conversations just been between the two of them. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I can that. it was about time. I can see I can see why people would ship them as like a, a rivals to love lovers kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Like I get it now. Yeah. Cause they essentially both think that they're the smartest one in the group. When actually yeah. Sam is the smartest one. She is. Followed <laughs> very closely by Teal'c. <laughs> it's a race to the bottom for the other two. Mm-hmm. So they finally figure out what's causing everybody to be sick and they take some probably very expensive equipment to the planet to help heal everybody (laughs) and it makes me wonder if like after that equipment helps them all heal if the plant that was damaged will heal itself or if they're just gonna have to permanently leave that equipment there because that doesn't seem very practical I don't know. So hopefully the plant will heal itself. I thought I saw the plant heal itself, but that might have been different. Like right at the end, didn't it? It might have been a different plant. Oh, maybe. I thought I thought it was like the one that Sam had knocked over. I don't think we see that one again after okay. the first few scenes. Maybe. Yeah, we never we never revisit the planet again. So I'm assuming that somebody like goes to check on the equipment and the locals from time to time. To see if the equipment is still needed. Somebody just did the three hour walk. Right. Like a couple months later to go pick up the equipment. (laughs) Well, all that equipment, that was big stuff. I'm like, they had to have like carried that out there on a malp. In which case, if they had a malp to carry all that equipment out there, why couldn't they like ride the malp all the times that they had to like walk back and forth, you know? Because that's less dramatic. (laughs) I guess so. At the end, when Sam says that she has a feeling that the the people and the plants have a symbiotic relationship, and they ask her how she knows that, and she says that she talks to her plants, they all look at her like that's something to be ashamed of. And I'm like, that's not weird at all. That's incredibly common. And why is she being teased? And helpful, her? I might add. Like, they have done studies. Plants respond to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Music, voices, plants respond to that. They're weird, yeah. not Sam. Right? Like, why Why are you so many judgy vibes right now? Because they're men. You know. I like that they took Dr. Frazier with them. I like that she got to go on the yeah. trip. Yeah. I know she we talked about her already. I just like, I like that she's getting more involved. Yeah, yeah. It is nice when she gets to, like, get off base and, like, do something different. Yeah. With her, like, coming to do testing on them, and she mentions, like, keeping them in quarantine, like, keeping the sick ones separated. I'm like, well, for the talk of, like, doing quarantine, I don't see any actual, like, quarantine measures being taken necessarily. So... (laughs) So I think they mentioned, like, doing level two quarantine. I'm like, well, that must not be very extensive because they don't really do much to try to quarantine people. (laughs) And even, like, the guy that they bring back to the SGC, they don't quarantine him from everybody else, you know? Yeah. They're clearly not taking their quarantine and pandemic response very seriously at SGC. They really not. They have a really bad track record for quarantine measures and like dealing with radioactivity and stuff like that. That's why everything goes so wrong in Stargate Infinity because it's post COVID. Oh, yeah. That's why it's a mess. 
did you like the use of cassette tapes? When? Do you remember? So there was, um, Daniel had taken, well, I guess because Daniel always has his little camcorder with him. Right. And he's like taking video and it records on cassette tapes. And then he was like, you know, watching the cassette tape like in his office. And then Sam took it out to analyze it. <laughs> I liked the, um, when he and Jack were having the argument in the office and the TV was on behind mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. I liked the little like grainy kind of 90s. 90s tv mm-hmm. which i guess is the cassette tape but yeah it felt very nostalgic yeah just the use of cassette tape in general <laughs> yeah I'm like yeah this is great <laughs> i'm yeah it's very like this is a bit of a tangent but i learned yesterday that american girl is launching their new historical dolls <laughs> set in the 90s and yeah. i'm just having a bit of a moment so i'm like great right. it's all historical now all right they have like pizza hut accessories my god like they have <laughs> product from uh, the american girl company that i distinctly remember seeing so i'm like well that's mm-hmm. just great right makes us feel very old nice and old <laughs> and the cassette tapes are not helping the historical 1990s <laughs> and uh then when daniel figures out what the issue is he just walks out of the room and has to like come back and tell everybody to follow him I feel like that's like one of his things. He like gets an idea, just walks off, and is like, "Come on!" <laughs> just expecting everybody to follow him. He's the mad scientist. That's what he does. Yeah, I guess so. He's not. Is he technically a scientist though? Daniel? Yeah. Yeah. Eh, maybe not. Nutty professor. I mean, he's an academic for sure. Nutty professor, it is. Okay. I mean, if he wasn't working at the SGC, he probably would have ended up being a professor somewhere. If he wasn't working at the SGC, he'd still be on Apidos. No, I mean, like, if, like, the the whole Stargate thing wasn't a thing. Yeah. University or museum or something. Yeah. Because he, yeah, we find out in a later episode that he was working in, like, an archaeology department at a university. Watching him freak out about mythology... (laughs) <laughs> was so funny oh yeah and their argument <laughs> yeah like him asking jack if he believes in mythology and jack was like no it's nonsense and whatever and he's like it's the foundation of society and he was just so upset yeah i'm like yeah that's his field of study right he loves that more than he loves his wife like right <laughs> yeah i I understand how, like, Jack doesn't understand what Daniel does exactly, but I can definitely see how it's hurtful for Jack to be so dismissive. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, you don't have to get it. You just need to get that it's important to him. Yeah. And I did think it was kind of silly for Jack to be like, oh, mythologies are just, like, lies and nonsense it coming from a person who travels to other planets and encounters really weird stuff on a regular basis you would think he would have more respect for mythology and legends and such and not only it's not like he's encountering weird stuff and he's like okay but that's different like they've encountered thor Mm -hmm. they've encountered ra like they've encountered myth like actual mythological figures yeah that somebody on earth with like passing familiarity with world mythology would be familiar with right so yeah i don't quite know where this protest is coming from i don't know it's like he's just antagonistic to be antagonistic i guess but then it's like i don't know i feel like i need we need to explore like why jack has this kind of animosity towards daniel because it seems to be unbounded yeah because i mean even like in the movie he didn't necessarily understand what Daniel was going on about, but he wasn't so like openly, openly hostile about it either. Right. I guess maybe, like, maybe about... some of it side effect. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we can think about, like as the seasons go on, is like continue to analyze their relationship and mm-hmm. how they act with each other, especially if they have more like moments like this. Yeah. Anything else about this episode? 
No, just a stupid joke. What's that? When Daniel tells Teal to keep an eye on it. And he's uh-huh. like, I'll keep both eyes on it. Uh-huh. I wanted Teal to do that thing that the little kids do in like the videos on Instagram where they're like, keep an eye on the ball. And they go put their one eye on the ball. <laughs> I wanted Teal to go put an eye on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. Very literal. Like he's the, if he's that literal, like he, he yeah. took it to the other literal extreme where he's like, no, I'll keep yeah. both eyes on it. Yeah. But I wanted him to go put an eye on it. <laughs> I don't think he would have physically done it. I think he would have been like, but what would it help for me to put my eye on it? You know, like he'd have some kind of response, like how would, how would that help? <laughs> yeah. So the next episode show and tell opens on two technicians flirting next to the Stargate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, there's more than one uh, secret romance going on in the SGC. <laughs> Sam and Jack being the secret romance, yes? Yeah, yeah. I I kind of like when they show stuff like that because they're all confined to this little environment and like mm-hmm. I'm sure they can leave occasionally, but they don't get to leave very often. So, mm-hmm. you know, sparks fly. Yeah. But if they both work for the Air Force, then they can't do anything about it. Why? Because you can't. And that's why Sam and Jack aren't together, because they can't date. Because he, they're he's both her the superior officer. That's why, right? I think it's also just like a military thing. I don't like that. But also that makes it juicier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because... I, I mean, if they were the same rank, I don't That's know. What I mean. It would be different. Same rank or different division or like, you know, there's no like overlap. Like say, like Jack is Sam's commanding officer. Like they're directly right. in the chain of command. So I understand that. Though I still think they should do it. But um, I just don't think we ever see any other romantic relationships between Air Force office or Air Force people in general. In this show or in general? In the show. That doesn't mean that they're not happening. And that doesn't mean it's like a real military thing, right? I guess I need to research that. I just assumed it was like across the board. I thought it was just like if it impacts your command track, then it's a no-go. I was thinking like if you're working in the same location. Hmm. But how are you ever supposed to meet people? Um happy hour (laughs) (laughs) whatever uh kind of dating apps there were back in 1999 whoever came up with dating apps there's a special place in hell for you (laughs) like right next to the guy who invented burpees (laughs) who you're just burning in hell together forever yeah i don't care if you don't believe in hell you're still going to it (laughs) yeah Every time I think about burpees, I think about there's one time I went to um, a step class at the gym. And for some reason, like at the end of class, he was making us do burpees. And I'm like, okay, for one thing, no. For another thing, why are we doing this at the end of the class? That's worse. But like at that point, I wasn't strong enough to be able to do them. And so I just didn't. And the teacher, like, gave me a dirty look. And I'm like, sorry, who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember liking them as a kid, but I was very springy as a kid. Yeah. I'm not springy anymore. Yeah. Gravity has a stronger effect on me now. Yeah. <laughs> you used to be like, how high can you jump before you go back down into a plank and a push-up? And now I'm like, respectfully, no. Um I don't think I even heard of burpees until I was in college. They used to just be part of our gym class when I was in elementary school. Which, like, if you think about it, is a great way to get, like, eight-year-olds to burn off some energy before you send them back to class. Ours was, like, jumping jacks and sprinting. Oh, we did that, too. But then suddenly you line up, like, ten eight-year-olds and you're, like, who can jump the highest and get back down on the floor the fastest and suddenly it's a competition. And not burpees. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would I would be the slow one because I'm like, no, this is not it. Even as a kid. <laughs> anyway. <it. laughs> 
Anyway, after we see the two tangents. people flirting in front of the Stargate, this kid comes through the Stargate and we see a cameo for Peter Gillies. Yes, I saw that in your notes. You didn't notice that in the episode? I'm going to keep my comment to myself. <laughs> okay, well, just trust me on this then. As I trust the you, I believe through, you. There's an airman who's like behind this like giant machine gun with this like like blast shield i guess i don't know what you would call that yeah and and so he like pops his head out from behind it and like looks at the kid and then like puts his head back behind the shield well i saw the guy <laughs> i just didn't process that as being peter deluise even oh, though last yeah. week i did look up peter deluise to see what he looks like yeah okay well now you know you've seen this episode you have more reference for what he looks like in 1999 so supposedly he will have a cameo every time he directs. Nice. So this kid comes through the Stargate and starts telling them all about these people called the Ritu from the planet Rutalia who are at war with the Gwilwold. And he doesn't have a name. So he asks Jack what his son's name is and can he be called by that name? And I'm like, and Jack okay. says, okay. <laughs> Like a trauma o'clock, all right. Just re-traumatizing Jack O'Neill over and over and over again. Yeah, so like yet another Charlie who is like on the, you know, in danger of dying and like... He has to say goodbye to him. And... Yeah. I mean, it's less dramatic this time because like... He doesn't die. He doesn't die, but he gets taken away by the by the Tok'ra. And Jack had his whole thing about like the keyword, like make sure he grows up. Right. And I'm like, oh, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's um, some questions to be had about making a child a Tok'ra. Because that seems morally sticky. They age slower, right? Yeah. Okay. But this kid is genetically modified to age quickly. So he will... Split the difference and age at a normal rate. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Unless maybe the toker can like get rid of that function of aging quickly. I don't know. Is that is that the type of thing that would be considered a defect? I don't know. For the for the worms to fix. I don't know. I mean certainly they should be able to heal his organ failure. Yeah, that's fine, but like, but yeah, I don't know about the aging. aging thing. I don't know, but I mean, I'm just thinking about like a child having to share their consciousness with another being when they like barely know anything about the world themselves. Maybe, so maybe it'll like remain dormant until he's a little older. That's what I was thinking. Like, only present itself when specifically asked to. Yeah. And otherwise just kind of be hanging out in the background until he grows up. Yeah, just keep it considerate kind of thing. Right. I mean, I suppose that would help Charlie to, like, mature really quickly because he has, like, the mind of a thousand-year-old being in his head, basically. Right. But, yeah, I guess that makes me worry for his, like, emotional development. We don't ever see him again, do we? No. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if we have no confirmation that it went badly, I'm just going to see it went well. That's true. So these Ritu exist in a like slightly out of phase dimension? I don't know if it would be a different dimension necessarily, but they are not on the same plane of existence? Well, I don't I don't know what the right terminology I, for that is. I can't even begin <laughs> to conceive of what Sam is saying when she explains this. That said, I do think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I just can't imagine it. Yeah, I feel like I, I do not have the right vocabulary to describe what exactly is happening. No, me neither. Yeah. It was basically like the atoms down to the subatomic level are shifted 180 degrees so that you can't perceive the sound and light 
Would 90 degrees not have made more sense? I don't know. That they're perpendicular and not like parallel? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I Here's what I thought was funny. Was little Charlie is sitting there talking about mother. Mm-hmm. And how mother created him and mother is watching and mother mm-hmm. doesn't want him to be hurt. And I'm coming off of two seasons of this show and picturing mother to be like a white lady in an 80s wig wearing a toga. <laughs> um, because that's, you know, what I've come to expect from the show. And then mother like phases into view. <laughs> and she's a giant bug. Yeah. And I was not, it took me so by surprise. <laughs> I was like waiting for this bug to like shift into a woman in a toga. Like, uh-huh. but no, she just remained a bug. Well, I mean, I feel like we got some warning ahead of time that it was going to be different because they specifically asked if Charlie was a Ritu and he said, no, I'm human like you. So they knew that mother wasn't human. But they could be humanoid. Not be human. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I also have a lot of questions about like how the whole out of phase thing, like how read to interact, because it seems like so mother was there for several weeks observing everything, but was never perceived by anybody, which makes me think that she should be able to walk through solid matter so as to not get cornered in a place where she would be perceived. I mean, if she can't be perceived because she's on another plane of existence, then shifting through matter seems like a fairly straightforward thing. Right. So, but then later when they're like going through the base, looking for the battery too, and they finish sweeping an area and then they close a blast door. And I'm like, is that going to do anything, though? Can't they just walk through that? I don't know. Unless because Mother was timing it for, like, the doors to open for her to go through. Just, like, being really careful tiptoeing around all the time? That's the only other thing I could think of. I mean, that would be fine in, like, hallways. But, like, when she's in the, um, like, hospital wing or whatever you call it, that's a lot of tight spaces. So there's not a lot of places that she could go without bumping into stuff. So if she's not bumping into stuff, that makes me think that she can go through stuff. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, me neither. (laughs) I thought I had it. I don't have it. (laughs) Plus, like, since Teal'c could actually sense the Ritu, that must have meant that, you know, Mother saw him and knew to stay away from him the entire time that she was there. So like that, I believe, I believe that she deliberately stayed away from him, but how she got away from him, like how she managed to. Right. That, that I'm now a little less certain as to how that worked. Like, how is she able to observe Jack so extensively, but not tip off Teal? She's just hooked onto Jack's back. (laughs) (laughs) But like Jack is around Teal a lot. Maybe being around Jack offsets Teal's mother alarm. No, I mean, it must just be like she, like, keeps just far enough away that he can't sense her while she can still, like, listen to conversations, I guess. Like, Teal takes a step to the left. She also takes a step to the left (laughs) to remain, like, at that distance all the time. Yeah. Did you like the um, transphase eradication rods? So I saw this in your notes. And I initially read transphobe eradication rod. Oh, God. I was like, cool, but that's probably not what it is. Um, Wish we had some of the... Those are like the things that... The special guns. Yeah. That look kind of like... Do you see what I'm doing? <laughs> they were fucking looking. For those of you listening, I'm doing something with my hands and Chelsea is very... <laughs> some but very strange hand gestures. <laughs> They were funky looking. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, special guns with like, kind of, sort of, well, not really lasers attached, but like, I I don't know. I don't have the words to describe it. (laughs) I Googled it and my hand gesture was accurate. That is exactly what I was thinking of. Yes, they were very (laughs) (laughs) Your very vague, wavy hand gestures were accurate. Okay. 
<laughs> they were extremely accurate, and it's not my fault you didn't get it. Okay. <laughs> it makes me wonder, though, like, how long they workshop the names of these random devices that they come up with. Like, coming up with a term that makes sense and also can be reduced to a memorable acronym, like TER is really easy to say. You know? Why do I feel like that's what they, like, Mondays, 8 to 12, <laughs> every week, they have a meeting to name all this stuff. <laughs> and, like, General Hammond, like, orders coffee and he orders muffins and everybody's sitting in there and <laughs> just have a long meeting about it. Well, I mean, this came with the name because the Tok'ra called it that. Okay, the Tok'ra have meetings every Monday. <laughs> did the Tok'ra name it that? I'm not sure that the Tok'ra did or if the Gwol did. But the SGC didn't just name their tech. No. No. Like okay. the TER? Yeah. No, I mean, like, Jacob came in and said that's, right. that's what this is. Jacob's, Jacob is, he is ex-military. Yeah. He took General Hammond's Monday meetings where they named the tech. <laughs> And he took it to the Tokra <laughs> and did the same thing for them. Yeah, it all adds but up. He never worked under General Hammond. They know each other. <laughs> General Hammond's like, I have these meetings every Monday where we name all our tech, like the <laughs> like the, the car that drives through the Stargate at 60 miles an hour. And he's like, wow, that's so cool. And then he took that to the Tokra. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Sure. We've crossed the line into fan fiction now. <laughs> is that fan fiction i'm a fan and i made it up so oh, okay that's true <laughs> fan fiction yeah. one thing though like this whole issue with ritu infiltrating the base and not being able to detect them super easily forcing the sgc to put palm scanners on the computers to be able to open and close the iris i'm like that's actually a great idea <laughs> And I'm almost surprised it, like, took you going through this to implement something like that. It's, like, one of those things you don't think you need until you need it and suddenly yeah. you're implementing it. Yeah. But it seems like they had some on hand because Sam goes and installs one right away. I'm like, did you just have some, like, hanging out in the storage room? <laughs> Maybe they were using them for something else, like, different tech. Yeah. Because something like a, like, a, like a hand scanner seems fairly straightforward yeah. so yeah. but i mean then again like the scanner is a really great thing for preventing non-humanoid people or whatever from using it but it still doesn't prevent somebody from forcing one of the sgc members to use it to open the iris or chopping off their hand right fortunately that never comes up we're never gonna okay. have hand chopping this, Which is shocking, not... given the number of times Jack is <laughs> impaled for some reason. Yeah, but we don't have that level of violence, necessarily. It just seems like the next logical step. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's shooting people, but it's not like torture violence. That's not this kind yeah. of show. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, you could certainly like knock somebody out and carry them over, or just simply have them at gunpoint and make them open it i guess it depends if there's like a, a multi-factor authentication or not mm -hmm. if it's only the palm scanning then that's not very secure but if you have to like also type something in particular yeah that seems fairly easy like at first i thought like the multi-step authentication is getting into the base in the first place but they also have a door from other galaxies so maybe yeah <laughs> oh i'm backtracking a little bit when Jacob and the other Toker guy first come through and it's just the two of them and Jacob goes to hug Sam and there's a, a flub because like in the background you can see the other Tokra in the control room but like not in the main part he's like off to the left and there's no way there was enough time for him to actually walk up there that quickly and so it's like clearly the actor waiting for his next part of the scene where he <laughs> runs into the control room. Oh no. Because it's instantaneous that he gets up there. So I'm like, there's no way he walked up there. <laughs> so you can just see him in the background. <laughs> He's waiting for somebody to yell action. Yeah. 
like does not realize that he's in the shot and like nobody else notices i guess <laughs> somebody noticed him post they're like it's fine nobody's gonna notice well i did <laughs> i got eagle eyes i feel like i'm noticing more stuff in the background than i ever did before because i keep like having to look for like giant wrenches and stuff so i'm like <laughs> training myself to look for background details so yeah, they find out the home planet, I guess, for the Ritu rebels. And they go through, and there's hundreds of them there. And as far as I know, they don't do anything else. But I'm like, you could just, like, send a nuclear bomb through to that planet, right? <laughs> and get rid of the rebels. But also, they got the information from Mother, which means that the good guy Ritu know where the rebel retos are like staging to do their attacks so why did they not send a bomb through you know it just didn't occur to them (laughs) (laughs) maybe they didn't have a bomb big enough yeah could be or that's just not how they're used to doing warfare yeah and like with the sgc maybe their stance is like well as long as we can prevent them from coming to earth then we're not going to go around like bombing other planets, which is fair. Yeah, you know, you know how it is. No, I kind of wish that we got to revisit this later, though, and like find out if anything else happened with the Ritu or not. This is where we get to just make stuff up and be like, that's how it went. That's true. Add it into some fan fiction. There we go. (laughs) So I did appreciate that Jack told Charlie that it's okay to cry and be emotional. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, that's good. He has good fatherly instincts. This is how we know Jack's going to therapy. That's true. He's in touch with his emotions. Yeah, finally. And like able to call him Charlie and like be okay with that. And then telling him to come visit and that he's going to mm-hmm. come visit him. Mm-hmm. That was very sad. Yeah. I mean, it was like bittersweet because like Charlie's going to be okay. Yeah. He's got people to care for him. But, like, I feel like in the same way that Daniel forgets he has a wife, (laughs) I often find myself forgetting that, like, Jack had a whole family before this. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then they bring it up like this, and then I'm like, right. Right, yeah. I feel like we learn the most about, like, Jack and Daniel's background. Because with Sam, like, we mostly just have her dad. But, like, other than that... Sam and Teal'c are minorities, so. Right. <laughs> yep, that's true. They're just not as important. Nope. Not as relevant to the plot. <laughs> oh, and going back to the other Toker guy. So he ends up getting shot by a Ritu and when they're in the control room. And he gets, like, blasted through the glass into the gate room. And that really surprised me. Because we've seen people shoot at that glass before and the bullets not go through. But the plot needed the glass to break. Yeah. So the glass broke. Because the only time I think that we've seen something pierce it was when Tonane shot a trinium arrow through. Right. And it pierced the glass that was in the like conference room above the control room. But otherwise, like, it's been, like, it's bulletproof. Otherwise, I mean, trinium I can understand because it's, like, stronger than a bullet. So that can pierce it. But, like, a guy just falling through it. Maybe it was, like, a combination of, like, it's the energy tokra. blast. It's his tokra magic. Well, I was thinking, like, if the energy blast hit both him and the window, then, like, the energy blast weakened the the window. And then him physically hitting it shattered it. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. That's the only thing I can think that makes sense. And this made me like think back to a previous episode where we had been talking about the, well, what episode was it that there was like some like alien bits that was it the crystal episode? Yeah, so like we were talking about the crystal episode when Sam shoots has Teal'c shoot one of the crystals in the gate room and there's little crystal shards that go everywhere and I was talking about how that's really impractical and they should have done it in a laboratory because now they have to clean up all the crystals and like right. essentially those crystals are like part of living beings 
So it's like having body parts strewn all over the place. And, and we were talking about like what it would have been like if there were like actual body parts strewn all over the place. <laughs> and I feel like it's a similar situation here because they blasted these Ritu, but then the Ritu body parts are invisible, but that doesn't mean that they're not still there. So there's like out of phase Ritu corpses in the SGC. And they'll stay there forever. Yeah. Because I mean, unless, I they, mean, unless they're just like walking around the SGC for like the next week with the little things. The TR. That, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. The TRs that like reveal them and then they just like clean it up. Well, that's what I was wondering. Like, does it make sense to try to clean it up? Because I mean, if you use the TR to see where the, all the goop is, I guess it would technically be in phase enough for you to clean it. But then is it like once you put it in the trash can, it's out of phase again? So like, does the trash can get filled up? These are things that the writers did not think about. <laughs> they did not contemplate the implications. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about how there's like Ritu guts just out of phase for the rest of time. Well, until they like break down, I guess. Yeah. They'll just yeah. biodegrade slowly. Yeah. There were a couple funny moments in this episode. There was one where Charlie uses Jack's catchphrase for crying out loud. And <laughs> Jack was like surprised and then like really pleased with himself. That's his son. <laughs> yeah. And then like when they're sweeping the base and Tilk comes around a corner and this other airman comes around the corner at the same time. And has his gun pointed at Tilk. And then that guy looks like so embarrassed. <laughs> and Tilk just like glares at him. <laughs> I mean, Tilk glaring. Probably enough of a reason for you to feel embarrassed. <laughs> if he aims that glare at you. But I mean, this guy's just doing his job. You know, he's being careful. Tilk doesn't care. <laughs> Why should he? Like Tilk is just like, you should have known that I was coming around the corner but it's fine. <laughs> I think I've talked about everything I want to talk about for this episode. So have I. Did you find anything problematic? No, I don't think so. I think like like we mentioned before, it's a little funny that the entire population is all male, but I don't think that was right. like, intentionally harmful. Right, yeah. So I just think they didn't want to have to address the fact of like, if this is a membrane and not clothing, mm-hmm. they didn't want to have to deal with nipples. I think that's what it was. So yeah. Which is like, it's fine. I get the big and easy way out. Yeah, that's true. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention. I did appreciate that they like finally acknowledged in the, um, what was it called? First step? Yeah. The first episode. First step. Oh, one false step. Just kidding. (laughs) In the one false step episode that they're acknowledging that sometimes going through the Stargate will mean endangering the locals on the other planet by way of like bringing disease or something like that because it only took them two seasons but they got there in the end right and well like dr frazier has the line of i'm surprised this hasn't happened more often maybe it has (laughs) and they just have no idea right it's like after the fact (laughs) like everybody comes down with measles or something like half the planets (laughs) they've been to everybody just wiped out right but I mean, I, so I appreciated that they're acknowledging that. They're like, you know, yes, we're aware that, you know, statistically, they should occasionally be going to planets where they're endangering people by accident, like just yeah. by being there, like not even by their actions necessarily, but just their presence. Yeah. You think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? I'd say so. I mean, a modern audience used to like modern sci-fi. I would probably call both of them like filler episodes. But if you're yeah. investing in like a 22 episode season, like, yeah, they hold up. Yeah. I feel like this second episode does a little bit more to progress the plot, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. In terms of like, okay, introducing the palm scanner and introducing new elements that they're going to have to look for. Anytime there's an incoming wormhole and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Whereas the first episode was just a little bit of character development with Jack and Daniel, but otherwise this doesn't have like a whole lot of implications on a larger scale. 
Right. Besides just the general lesson of different things that you can test when somebody is sick. <laughs> like, have you tried sound therapy? Music baths. Those sound like they would freak me out. I, I've i never... I'm not sure what is involved in a music bath, so I can't really speak to that. I just feel like it would freak me out. <laughs> okay, so next week we're going to be talking about episodes 21 and 22... 1969 and out of mind 1969 is my mom's favorite episode of all time okay i'll keep that in mind <laughs> so yeah it's very fun and it's generally like a fan favorite like i i often see it talked about on twitter as like just generally being people's favorite um and then out of mind will be wrapping up season two i feel like this season has gone by really fast it went by really fast yeah I don't know, maybe because we, like, took a break between seasons one and two? Maybe, but I feel like season one took longer. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we had more, like, interstitial breaks since during season one, and so it kind of, like, dragged it out a little bit. Maybe. I can't believe we're almost done. I know. Wild. Yeah. I think maybe starting with the end of season three, I'd like to start having, like, a separate episode where we can talk about themes and character arcs and stuff like that but for now with wrapping up season two i'm not sure that we have had quite enough content for that yet yeah that's fair we can do that starting the end of season three that would be fun yeah yeah look at it like big picture kind of thing yeah yeah because there's some like really big episodes in season three that impact like particular character arcs that i think would be really interesting okay so next week we'll be talking about the last two episodes of season two, and we will give our top three episodes of the season. So be thinking about that too. Oh God, yeah. I said something was my favorite <laughs> episode, and I don't remember what it was. I think it was last week. I think it was one of the episodes last week. I think week it was. I think it was the holiday, wasn't it? Yeah. What the, was that? The body switch. Uh huh. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so time for your next quote to see if you can guess who says it and why. Are you ready? You know, this looks suspiciously like the butt end of a Titan missile. That's Jack. Jack's the only one who says butt like that. <laughs> Jack analyzing something they found. Like uh -huh. probably half buried with the butt end sticking out. Mm -hmm. And that's why he can identify it. Okay. Anything else to say about it? No, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Fair enough. That's it for today. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? I am on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I am Arzu D2 everywhere else. So Instagram, Tumblr, and what's the other one? Hive. As a network, we are on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are on YouTube at the Geeky Waffle as well. And we're at thegeekywaffle.com. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.